Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Content Clearinghouse. I'm Josh Evans. And I'm Britt Chisholm. And on today's episode, we keep it light by discussing Marlboro's insidious plan to enslave humanity through their ingenious graphic design choices. And then, Brett, I've got a question for you. Why can't a heterosexual guy tell a heterosexual guy that he thinks his booty is fly? Not all the time, obviously, just when he's got a problem with his self-esteem. And although these were my own thoughts from my own brain, any FOTC fan knows that we're talking about Flight of the Concords. So get ready for some BJ. Movies, shows, and video games, podcast books, and their acclaims. Let their favorite content become yours. It's the Content Clearing House. Content Clearing House. And it starts right now. Brett, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. That's ex- exactly what I was expecting. Yeah, I got nothing new on the docket, man. My life's pretty boring over here. What's new with you? I um, actually had a pretty awesome couple of weeks. My uh, daughter's first birthday was a few days oh. ago, which was awesome. And uh, so I got two kids, Isla and Violet, which you know. Isla's the older, and Violet is the one-year-old. But it's really interesting watching Violet grow up because she is watching Isla do everything. And so as far as developmental progress goes, I'd say that she's six months ahead of where Isla was. I mean, she's just, like, trying to stand up at, like, six months old. She, with very little help, she can walk now. It's really cool. And uh, I'm always fascinated by watching a human brain develop. So now I have a whole other experiment to observe, which is really cool. That's pretty interesting. You know, Caesar Milan uh, is the famous puppy trainer, and I guess it's easier to train a puppy if you have a dog that's already trained. So that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, dogs, babies, <laughs> it's basically the same thing on the the uh, brain scale. Yeah. Uh, so that was really great. We've had a lot of really awesome times lately, but also I, uh, I recently went pheasant hunting, which I've been before we go, uh, we go once a year around the holidays. So we just did our, our annual pheasant hunt. And are you familiar with sport pheasant hunting? You know, my dad hunted pheasant and quail, I believe, but I have never been, and I don't really know anything about it other than uh, people pose with a, you know, they have a picture, and they're holding their gun, and they got some, like, plaid swag on, and they got a bunch of dead birds laying on the ground. Their murica hat. (laughs) Well, I, uh, I, I mean, I grew up in Texas, and I grew up dove and quail hunting, and it was... Uh, it was like what you would expect, just like walking through the woods or through like sunflower fields and you'd spook the birds up and then you like point the gun up at the sky and shoot wildly and every once in a while you'd get one. But this, uh, this pheasant hunting, sport hunting, uh, they call it gentleman's hunting is quite a bit different. It's, uh, you go, it's basically like going to a hunting park and they'll take the birds out uh, in the, the early morning, like before sunrise, they'll take them out and they plant them in the field. And the way they keep them to s- keep them in position while they're waiting for you to come out and blow them away is overnight they will cool them down like in a in like a freezer, so they're all like groggy and just just their metabolism is low. And so when you go out to hunt, you have a guy that has a dog and he's he's allowing the dog to kind of lead the way and the dog will spook the birds up and then you're walking along you know like we had three people so we had two on one side one on the other and as the bird spooks up you know whichever way it breaks you know that group of people takes the shot i mean it's basically bird murder it is nothing (laughs) like the hunting that i was familiar with growing up i didn't realize that this kind of hunting even existed but it's really fun and uh yeah we did that recently and i had quite the record this time, Brett. I had 14 birds that broke my direction and I made 13 shots, wow. which is the the best I've ever done. So, so wait, 13, anyone that feels like 13 shots or like 13 hits? Kill shots. Oh, wait. So you, you got 13 out of 14 birds? Yeah, I was That's on fire amazing. that day, buddy. 
Wow. Yeah, it was good. Usually I'll I'll come away with maybe like six or seven. This is the best record I've ever had, so I was very uh, very happy with the way that turned out. Wow, that's pretty awesome, man. Congrats. Thanks. It's, it sounds it sounds so fancy. Did you did you finish the day with like a round of golf and then talking about your uh, stock portfolios? <laughs> My investments. Yeah, this is, that's exactly how it goes down. Drinking some single malt whiskey. I I don't I don't know what fancy people do apparently. Who would not have been proud of me that day? Brett was the birds. They yeah. would probably have been uh, very disappointed in my performance. Well, as long as you use every part of the bird, you you know the meat, the claws, the the bones, the feathers. I feed the bones to my dog. Is that right? <laughs> I and the feathers <laughs> to your children. You exactly. It. Yep. Children love playing with biological material. <laughs> it's it's actually true, I think. So I did have a an interesting thing for you today for the off top, Brett. Um, I wanted to tell you a story about the bounds of humanity's creative drive when they are properly motivated. Okay this this sound this sounds uh, kind of dangerous, actually. Do I need to talk to my lawyer before uh, well, this off top? Uh, we'll see what you think afterwards, and then uh, we can always sign an NDA, and everyone listening to this can also sign an NDA if they don't think that this is appropriate. That makes perfect so, logistical sense. <laughs> so Marlboro, who is, uh, as you all know, the world's premier peddler of atmospheric interface inhibitors, also known <laughs> as cigarettes, Good was one. a uh, they were they were a sponsor of the Ferrari F1 racing team. For a long time, for many years. And uh, Ferrari is the largest and most successful F1 racing team in the world. So there were negotiations with Mar- between Marlboro and and Ferrari to sponsor the team for a billion dollars in 2005. And this was around the same time that the European Union passed the uh, European Tobacco Initiative, which states... Uh, this directive bans tobacco advertising in the print media, on radio, and over the internet. It also prohibits tobacco sponsorship of cross-border cultural and sporting events. And that included F1. F1. So as you can imagine, this caused quite a hubbub in the uh, F1 community, also Marlboro and Ferrari, because there was this billion-dollar sponsorship on the line. So this, uh, what I'm going to tell you about, this comes from a Graphicology article on graphicology.com, which we will link. It's very interesting. It's got a lot of really cool pictures. Now, wait, graphicology, now, as you know, is that a real thing? It. I mean, it's like contentology. I'm assuming they made the word up, and then people started going <laughs> to the website, and now it is in uh, Webster's. I forget that some ologies are actually real things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, what are some real ones? Scientology? S- sci- <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Cosmopology? It sounds re- so sure. real. Yeah, that does sound uh, <laughs> not awkward at all. So as you know, I'm a huge fan of gra- graphic design and just design in general. I'm a little bit of a graphic designer. I went to school for uh, computer animation and graphic design in 2001. And then I never really did anything with those skills until recently because I went into professional skydiving. But I'm always on the lookout for very well-designed things like logos and posters and, you know, stuff like that. Just uh, things that catch my eye and make me think that the designer is extremely clever. So, although I can't condone Marlboro's products, I can totally get behind their design choices. So when they were banned from advertising on Ferrari's F1 car, they created what is quite possibly the most ingenious design solution ever the caliber of which is rarely ever seen. I sent you a link earlier of the uh, Marlboro barcode logo. And uh, did, you, did you get a chance to take a look at that? Yes, and I'm looking at it right now. Can you describe what that barcode logo looks like? Okay, so on the right-hand side, it looks, you know, it's got the words Mar- Marlboro, and then you've got like the, I don't know, I guess it's kind of iconic. Like I wouldn't have remembered 
uh, if you asked me what the Marlboro logo is, I would not have been able to describe it. But now that I'm looking at it, it's like the uh, the upper half is red, and then there's like a white, uh, like a pyramid, basically, uh, jutting into the red, and then the words Marlboro underneath it, and just like a pretty like generic, strong black text. But then on the left-hand side, so... It, it clearly it looks like there's been uh, slices of the pixels basically or like a cross section uh so it's definitely not um recognizable as the Marlboro logo but it's it's clearly looking at it when they're compared next to each other it's the the whatever you sent me on the left that kind of looks like piano keys but also has the red and the black uh but it yeah, looks it's like a- it's i don't know whittled down or sliced up i mean it's basically like it, it it basically is a barcode that's in the colors of the marlboro logo and their solution to this problem not being able to advertise was they were emblazoning this barcode which again we will link so you can see this they're emblazing this uh across the car behind the driver and when this logo was viewed in a stationary manner it like you said it might invoke some similarities to the marlboro logo but when it was viewed passing by at 200 miles per hour and it was motion blurred, it tricked the human mind into believing that they really were seeing a blurred version of Marlboro's logo. And this was very well documented that this blurred version of this barcode actually worked as an advertising scheme for Marlboro. And what's so clever, I mean, this is a design that uses the very idea of kinetic motion and the human eyes response to processing movement and also a deep-seated subconscious knowledge of their branding and this insidious drive to enslave as much of humanity as possible with the shackles of their product i mean it's it's a design that something that would never have occurred to me and i can imagine this would have occurred to many other people but this was something that actually worked like seriously it's it's so amazing it truly is like one of the sneakiest designs ever once you see it, once you see pictures of it blurred, you really can't unsee it, and you can tr- start to understand what they were trying to do. Okay, do you have an example of this? Because I, I'm, I am so flabbergasted. I did not see where this is going, and I, I have trouble truly believing that this is like a recognizable. Uh, Marlboro logo at whatever 200 miles an hour, however fast they drive. Do you have like a video of it or something? Or maybe, maybe I can Google it. I have a uh, the, the 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 graphicology article that I'm going to link that everyone can check out in the show notes. Um, it has a bunch of pictures and it has a very deep breakdown of what they were doing, as well as some some uh, blurred versions of the logo. And it's uh, it's it's on initial viewing, you wouldn't think that this would work but this was like very well documented it was something that uh like the eu did not share my appreciation for their creativity oh wow like a, sp- a spokesman for the european public health commissioner said that he thought that marlboro's approach constituted uh constituted potential subliminal marketing so this was uh, uh, marlboro and philip morris who owns marlboro they denied their claim that they were in no way trying to skirt the law but it's obvious what they were trying to do like their black, white, and red logo is very uh, iconic. And you know what? This was a very sneaky approach to, you know, getting around the advertising laws in Europe. I okay. So now I so I googled it and I'm looking at a picture of it, and I I see what you're saying because you you if they had a normal logo with the text and everything, it would also be blurred at high speeds. And exactly. so it would look exactly the same. And it is kind of like it, there's something about the proportions of the colors or something that makes it look like, gosh, that is crazy, man. I've never heard of such a thing. This I is, know. Just glancing at that barcode, it'll almost invoke like the taste of stale secondhand smoke <laughs> oh. wafting from a crinkled old cigarette clutched between oh yellow God. fingers held by a grisly old man with a face like a baseball <laughs> mitt. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think of the cigarette cigarette industry, they call it flavor country. Oh, yeah. Oh, the so old I thought this sticks. was, yummy exactly. Yummy. I thought this was 
uh, I learned about this recently. I thought it was just like completely fascinating. You know, it really reinforces what everyone already thinks about these brands, you know, that, that, that they're desperate to advertise, even though the world claims to no longer really be interested. And though I can totally get on board with the graphic designer's skill, ability, and creativity, um, it, you know, it's, I'm kind of in awe that anyone would ever think of this, you know, but in general, like totally just fuck these guys right in their smoke holes. I think the the less advertising <laughs> they do, the better. Wow. I, I didn't need another reason to be scared <laughs> this on this new New Year's start, but there it is. I'm already a little it's insidious. I'm a little frightened. If you don't typically check the show notes, today would be a, a great day to check them because this article is fascinating and you know, we can do our best to describe it, but this is something that you really need to see to understand. Yeah, I'd say I didn't do a very good job describing it. it, it and well, you, you know, and I give myself a little credit though because it, it's one of those things that in, unless you're already good at that sort of thing, I think it's hard to describe like any low like what would you say if you needed to describe the Pepsi logo? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a <laughs> circle with a blue at the top and red at the bottom and a swirly thing in the middle and it says Pepsi somewhere near okay. it. <laughs> All right, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So that is my off top today, Brett. And, nice. um, you know, we, uh, we put out a call recently for some listener emails and some responses from the uh, audience and wouldn't you know it we got one buddy we certainly did our old friend flip six three hole i'd say a super fan of the show uh so i'm gonna read this letter and uh flip six three hole that's a uh classic starship troopers reference and though although i'm not going to dox his email here on the show i'm also going to sh- say that his email is a Starship Troopers reference. And I would like to believe that he made this email specifically, this email address specifically for emailing us today because <laughs> it's uh, it's just too damn good. Uh, so I'm going to read this to you guys. It says, Bresh. I'm, I'm assuming that's us. <laughs> uh, Hi there. You recently called upon your listeners for another round of feedback, and it was music to my ears, not unlike the acoustic bubble bath that is the content clearinghouse. Oh, Brett. That <laughs> I sounds hope, very I hope relaxing. he's taking a bubble bath right now as he listens to I this know. episode. <laughs> for you see, your latest episode has awoken things in my brain meats that want to find their way into your brain meats. The first is a repeat request, but one that is of the utmost importance. It has to do with your recent joint Hulu Hulu-ness which we uh, did recently get a Team Hulu account. And I'm saying, I got to say, I'm loving it. So there are two shows on that there that I must insist McDonald's advertisement. He's loving it. Yeah, that's a little bit of buzz marketing. You're, you're welcome, McDonald's. So the first, uh, the first recommendation being Devs, which I am certain you will watch, as I believe you've already mentioned it on the show, which we have. That's definitely on my list. Mine too. It's a high caliber tale. With one of my favorite quotes, the box contains us, the box contains everything, and inside the box, there's another box. Ad infinitum, ad nauseum. Uh-oh. The second show is more of a deep cut. It's a bizarre, underappreciated, comedic triumph starring Peta from The Hunger Games called Future Man. If my recollection doesn't betray me, the first season may have started off somewhat slow, but once the writers catch their groove, it evolves into a wild time-traveling romp through the lands of absurdity and no-holds-barred idiotic satire. It really comes into its own in the second season. In the third and final season, no fucks were given. I haven't heard of this show, have you? No, I haven't. Future Man. Future Man? Oh, uh, yeah. Flip 6 3-hole always has good recommendations, though, so I'm probably going to have to check that out as well. So there's a second reason why I had to write to you again right away. In this latest episode, you mentioned the Lex Friedman podcast. This, wait, it just occurred to me that Lex is my Yuval Noah Harari, formerly known as the Artificial Intelligence Podcast. Uh, this podcast is my absolute number one favorite podcast. Oh, that's interesting. It's, this is uh, his most mentioned man, is Lex yeah. Friedman. Uh, so this podcast is one of the few that I listen to every week. 
The episodes are often heady and increasingly long, but feature some of the most preeminent thinkers in AI, math, sciences, academia, and the tech industry. All things that are dear to my heart, especially AI, as you may or may not know, I actually have an MS in AI from Georgia Tech. I've done little with it, but I do try to stay on the forefront at the hobbyist level. I do have plans, though. And then he writes, <laughs> that was my own interpretation of his evil laugh. Lex is incredibly humble, but also one of the uh, also an incredible thinker and a thoughtful interviewer. I'm a total fanboy. He used to be fairly active in the podcast Discord in the early days. Side note, you guys should start a Discord. Brett, you're our tech guy. Get on the Discord. He is also friends with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, so that's something. I can't recommend this podcast enough. There is there is one episode that I would love you guys to check out. Episode number 101 with Joe Shabak. That guy had my mind exploding. I had to listen to it on 1x speed and back up and repeat several, several sections over and over again. I just joined Twitter so I could follow him. Your pal flip six three hole, and there's a picture of Dr. Steve Brule looking like his mind is blown, which is really <laughs> yeah. awesome. That actually, so seeing thanks. that, I was like, I was like, uh, okay, that's John C. Riley. I know I've seen that show before. What's it called again? And I googled, check it out, and watched watched like a two minute clip of him trying to uh, squeeze the vacuum bag stuff of like all his <laughs> valuables into like a bag. I don't know if I want to hand this over. This is valuable to me. And uh, thanks for the reminder that that uh, uh, check it out with Dr. Steve Brule is really hilarious, yeah, too. Man, one of the best characters ever. And uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Flip Six Three Hole. We appreciate it. And man, there's some awesome recommendations in there and things that we are definitely going to be adding to our content circuit. Definitely. You know, Lex Friedman, um, I've only listened to one episode of his podcast, and it was the UFO Tic Tac uh, David Fravor interview. Which I ended up. I've heard too. Yeah, I ended up sending that episode to my dad, um, and uh, you know we are uh, for all our similarities, we're also very different. You might say that we have both been uh, um, put into the propaganda machines on opposite sides of the aisle, I guess. So we don't (laughs) agree. I wonder what that means. (laughs) We don't agree on on everything, but. you know, he was a Navy pilot, just like Commander Fravor, and most of that episode was them talking about the A-6 and landing on aircraft carriers and weapon systems and the integration of pilot crew members and artificial intelligence, and my dad absolutely loved it, and, you know, he said he, just like the same day I sent it to him, he stayed up late and listened to, like, the four-hour episode in one night, um, and so, and I attribute a lot of that to Lex Friedman's fantastic interviewing style, and he's just like, I, I feel like he wasn't afraid to ask like, you know, the, the simple or the dumb questions that like some somebody like me would ask or, you know, just a just a audience member. He like really channeled just uh, just a curious person that might not know any of the subject matter that he's talking about uh, really well, if that makes sense. Great show. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it is really good. Um, and, you know, I might have to dig more into his back catalog as well. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we will get into some content. content. Hello, listeners. Don't hit the skip forward button just yet. This is not an ad. This is a call for you guys and gals to get involved with the show. So we want to hear from you about your favorite pieces of content and why they're the best. Or you can even tell us if you've checked out a piece of content because we recommended it and uh, if you loved it or not. So contact us at contentclearinghouse at gmail.com or on Instagram or Facebook at The Content Clearinghouse. And we will read your letters on the air right here. Thanks so much for listening. We love you guys. Okay, back to the show. Ooh, content. Clear it out. Welcome back to The Content Clearinghouse. Brett, what kind of content you got for us today? Who likes to rock the party? I like to rock the party. (laughs) Who likes to rock the party? This is a hint. I like parties. (laughs) Well, if you thought the best thing to come out of HBO had dragons instead of kiwis, Josh, you'd be wrong. So, uh, oh, would I now? (laughs) So, here's a rhetorical and awkward question for you, meant to help me swing into my content piece. What do you get when you combine a struggling folk duo from a faraway land? One obsessed fan. And one earnest but incompetent band manager, 
Uh, surreal musical numbers like Sugar Lumps, A Kiss Is Not A Contract, Tip Hop Apotamus <laughs> versus Rhinoceros, and Too Many Dicks on the Dance Floor, and then sprinkle it with just a little bit of hipster. Uh, does it have to be rhetorical, or can I actually answer this? <laughs> you can answer if you know it. Fly the Concords. Oh, nice. I wasn't sure if you ha- were familiar with this show. I feel like you were, because our mutual friend uh, turned me onto the show. Derek, of course, uh, but I was not sure if he was into the show when you guys were friends. You know, I have a, uh, I'd say I have like a ancillary familiarity with the show. I haven't watched it much, but I've seen like clips. I've seen Hip Hopopotamus. I've seen a few episodes, but I would not say that I am a super fan that knows all the quotes. So it will be <laughs> interesting for you to tell me why it's so awesome. <laughs> They call me that hip hop apotamus. My rhymes are bottomless. <laughs> that's like a, uh, that's like one of the the few quotes that I do know, and that's like a thing that every once in a while it'll pop into my head, and I'll just like maybe start laughing because of how clever it is. <laughs> it's really good. The awkward silence at the end as he can't think of a single rhyme. So on today's yeah, show, so good. I will be recommending that every everyone watch flight of the concords uh it's the hbo tv series that birthed two perfect seasons received 10 emmy award nominations has received praise and reviews like it's the funniest thing you've seen in ages and it's a mini masterpiece also it made it onto our show which if you think about it josh it's really the highest praise of all isn't it i mean there's only 35 other things that have done that (laughs) it is definitely in our top 36 (laughs) it's quite the honor well we can't talk about the show without talking about the band and where it all began uh because yours truly brett and josh well we're not the only iconic bj duo around (laughs) (laughs) i never even thought of that we are quite the bj that's right i'll do the i'll I'll do the thinking for us josh so uh flight of the concords (laughs) It's a New Zealand musical comedy duo met, made up of Brett McKenzie and Jemaine Clement, or as I like to call them, Brit. BJ. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Just like us. BJ Masters. So uh, BJ were originally roommates at Victoria University of Wellington uh, before forming the band Flight of the Concords in 1998. Interesting side note, actually. BJ actually first performed as part of a five-man group called So You're a Man, which included fellow <laughs> Kiwi Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok and voice actor of the rock char- so character Korg, the writer and director of Jojo Rabbit, and also the actor who played the hilarious Hitler in Jojo Rabbit, and also the voice actor of the bounty hunter droid IG-11 in The Mandalorian, and probably his biggest claim to fame, he directed four episodes of the TV show Flight of the Concords. And uh, you know what? Now yeah, that he's uh, uh-huh. one of the best. He's one of the best. He really is. Absolutely one of the best. He's like that. He's got that John Favreau juice, I think. He big time does. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok is, I mean, that's like, that's like a, a real turn for the Marvel universe and it's like, or the Marvel cinematic universe. And it's, it was not something that I saw coming at all. Just like to make Thor interesting. Yeah. It was a huge <laughs> accomplishment. <laughs> really? Like I, you, I think everybody knows how much we love the Marvel cinematic universe, but Thor was really like the anchor to the franchise until Boredom. Thor Ragnarok. The anchor to boredom, yes. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> I mean, that's like, I mean, yeah, it's like John Favreau. It's like anything that he gets his hands on, he just, even if it's something that has its issues, he'll like turn it around and make it into like one of the the greatest franchises in history. It's and very wh- similar. Definitely. And wh- whenever I hear about, um, I don't know, these like, content creators or actors, writers, directors, whatever they are that, you know, knew each other long before they became super well known for these projects. I have to wonder like how much of it, of it is, you know, maybe them knowing some of the same people or them being exposed to some of the same things or like if they influence like if one of them was just this driving force and it influenced so many people around them. I don't know. It's interesting to think about. I'm sh- I'm sure um, people in those circles would know a little bit more, but 
it's interesting to think about because you hear about this quite a bit. Yeah, I'm sure there are certain people too that, I mean, you're probably starting off well-connected, but also, you know, some of these creative visionary forces seem like they just have a different kind of wiring where they just have like the drive to get these creative projects made. You know, they're like not going to let anything stop them, which I truly appreciate as a contentologist. If it wasn't for people like that, we have nothing to appreciate. <laughs> that, is, that is true. The show wouldn't exist without BJ. <laughs> so uh, back to the band flight of the Concords, or you know what? Um, I'm just going to needlessly create more acronyms. So let's go with FOTC. So I don't keep saying Flight of the Concords. I'm sure that's going to save Fuck. us a lot of time. Uh, so FOTC's first performance was broadcast from a short-lived local Wellington TV station on a show called The Newtown Salad. BJ as FOTC played one song a night for four consecutive nights. Now, these are historic moments for an FOTC super fan like me. I mean, the... These moments have been memorialized on YouTube for anthropologists, contentologists, comedianologists, uh, graphicologists, all of them, all the ologists, Scientologists, <laughs> maybe not those. <laughs> They're not fans. <laughs> so I'm going to link in the show notes to these, uh, you know, these these premiere performances. And it's really interesting because I think this cumulative 15 minutes of airtime FOTC got on the Newtown Salad is is probably the TV station's only remaining, uh, like, historical. Any, I mean, it's their claim, their only claim to fame, and possibly their only it's their legacy. It's it's like the only legacy. I I googled <laughs> the Newtown Salad because their the name is just so stupid and hilarious and I wanted to find out why they disappeared and the only thing that comes up is these initial flight of the concords performances so I'm going to link that to the show notes definitely check it out uh, so the BJ boys were quickly picking up comedic steam <laughs> performing at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe in 2002 and 2003 they got nominated for the Perrier award which I believe is just a bottle of Perrier the sparkling water which is not, not even bronzed. <laughs> they also won the Best Newcomer Award after a show at the Melbourne, uh, actually, I, I think the Aussies pronounce it, Melbourne uh, International Comedy Festival. And honestly, I'm surprised Australia even let them in, considering the ongoing rivalry between NZ and Oz, two countries that share the same general area of the Southern Hemisphere, but uh, according to them, very different values. If it had been during the COVID era, they would not have been swapping bands. That, that, that is true. Uh, you know, a funny thing about that, both Australia and New Zealand appear to have done a whole lot better in response to COVID than we did. So, uh, Not surprising. Off. Although, I mean, with <laughs> New Zealand, it's so easy to... If, I mean, I'm assuming so easy. What I've heard is it was much easier for them to lock down their entire country of like 5 million people. You know, like the U S is so massive and expansive with such a large population that, you know, the, a lot of the things that would work in somewhere like New Zealand or maybe even Australia just like wouldn't work here. It's just the logistics of it. Just not really possible. You make a great point, but I, I, I just wanted to, uh, I just felt, uh, self-deprecating with my patriotic pride. <laughs> um, <laughs> you still have that? <laughs> so anyway, this uh, the band FOTC, they collected their weird Ford Awards and continued to grow momentum. And their growing audience soon became a worldwide cult following. Now I'm sure Brett and Jermaine shrugged off the increasing fame and exposure with emotionless deadpan faces but the band that once referred to themselves as New Zealand's fourth most popular guitar-based digi-bongo-acapella-rap-funk-comedy-folk <laughs> duo would soon become a spinoff of themselves. <laughs> quite a claim. <laughs> a parody of a parody. And of course, the show I'm talking about is also Flight of the Concords. Yeah, it's so interesting what catches on. I mean, like, obviously, they're extremely talented and hilarious, but it's just like such a small, humble beginning. It's. I'm interested to hear about how they were able to spin that out into like a worldwide phenomenon because it's 
that that kind of success story is very interesting. It, it it's hard to say. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows. You know, this is almost like the tipping point kind of. Uh, you know, any discussion would just be conjecture. But in my opinion, these guys are just, they seem so authentic. And if you look at their track record, I mean, I, I covered over some of the band's history, but like they, their first performance, they were on television and they did four, like they had like comedy songs thought out, ready to go. And then they like didn't perform again for like another six months or a year. And then it was at a festival. I feel like these guys were like practicing being funny in like improv groups, like the ones, the one with, uh, white, uh, Wykey, uh, Oh my God. I always have trouble with his name with, uh, uh, Taika YTT. And I, so I feel like they were just the Thor director. You can just call him that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> with Korg like I feel like they were just practicing being funny and then they were only going to put themselves out there when they were a hundred percent ready I don't know they're, they're, I'm just guessing here with you just get lucky and get in front of the right person at the right time yeah it doesn't seem like though it wasn't like a casting director from HBO discovered them like they put on performances that people couldn't stop talking about and people wanted more of like, this is truly like a grassroots uh, audience supported project. Basically like this is definitely, you know, these guys were on NP NBC or ABC. Like they were on the Newtown salad that like folded a month later. <laughs> <Whatever> <laughs> like, that is. but, the, but you know, flight of the Concords themselves like lived on, uh, you know, for decades, uh, I'm presumably decades. I mean, these guys like this is a classic and it's not going away. And you know, fans like me just absolutely love it and love talking about it. So I don't know. There's, there's definitely some sort of like authenticity or like realness to just how like small and low budget and like, I don't know, vulnerable they're being like, they're basically playing themselves in the show, which I'm going to talk about. And it definitely worked. I mean, like, like especially Jermaine Clement, he's like massively mainstream now. He plays Tomatoa in Moana, you know, the shiny crab, and he's got like one of the coolest songs that I'm sure he wrote, you know, in the entire movie. And you know, uh, I, I really like. Mm -hmm. I think Moana is like one of the best Disney films. Disney Pixar, Brett. Let's argue about this. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but like his song, I mean in the movie you can tell that those are like his words coming out because it's super clever and it's unlike anything else in the movie and that's a huge mainstream role you know jermaine has actually been in the most recent men in black he's been in two kind of mockumentaries with the uh uh korg or uh, ytt the thor director uh the thor ragnarok director he was in uh what we do in the shadows I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, but he really has like the band has kind of gone their separate ways. I think they didn't want to, you know, they just wanted to like let it, I don't know, kind of pass on in peace or just like preserve their legacy by, you know, not just like returning to this type of humor. And it, it almost didn't make sense once they were famous, like once they reached mainstream, the comedy style of them just being like, kind of clueless deadpan musicians broke musicians like it didn't work anymore because they yeah. are authentic to those characters so i think they made the uh, the right choice and but so jermaine went on to you know like you said uh kind of be in some pretty mainstream roles brett mckenzie interestingly enough he actually won a grammy or no i'm sorry he won an academy award for the uh, Muppet movie, he wrote like the best oh, song. Interesting. Yeah, I want to would like best song for the uh, live action Muppet movie that was in the 2010s. But anyway, very I was gonna say uh -huh. poor Brit, but it sounds <laughs> yeah. like he's doing all right. They're both doing great. I have no doubt. Jermaine and his huge uh, sideburns and Brett and his great name. <laughs> I mean, it's all right. It's no Josh, but it'll do. <laughs> so the, you know the the sh the the show the band became the show. Uh, it was released in two thousand and seven. So you know it's not that old, in the grand scheme of things. And it, it basically except this year we all aged in <laughs> <Yeah>. dog years. <laughs> this is a hundred percent true. 
I I am now 416 years old. <laughs> wow. What kind of dog math are you doing? <laughs> I, I I don't actually know the is it times 7? You need to know this now that you have a dog. 210. Yeah, I guess years, I'm buddy. I guess I'm like 215 something like that. But I don't feel a day over 160. <laughs> You look good. You don't at all look like an old baseball mitted face Marlboro smoker. <laughs> you know, I wish I had your kind words as the voice of my inner <laughs> critic because this is not what I say to myself when I look in the mirror. So that's that's really nice. Maybe the Skype. There's like a Skype filter making me look a little less uh, aged. So... <clears throat> The uh, the band Flight of the Concords becomes the show Flight of the Con- Concords, and it follows the band as they struggle to find success in New York City. Uh, as you probably guessed, Brett plays Brett and Jermaine plays Jermaine, <laughs> and Makes they sense. they make up Flight of the Concords, a two man band from New Zealand. Let's save time and say they play a fictionalized version of themselves. So for those who haven't seen uh, who haven't seen the show that haven't watched this yet it's a little hard to describe uh the show's style but I'm going to do my best here. At first you're a professional contentologist so you better do your best. <laughs> uh at first it seems like a low budget low key sitcom with just subtle humor banking on this kind of classic broke band in the city trope. But if you keep watching, every episode, there's either a moment in their lives or maybe some inner monologue, and it inspires this over-the-top, bizarre, fantasy, daydream-style music video. And this is really, like, the hilarious aspect of it, really the, like, draw to the show. So the first episode features a song with the lyrics, Looking around the room, I can tell that you are the most beautiful girl in the room. In the whole wide room. (laughs) Do you remember this? It must do rhymes different down under. (laughs) And when you're on the street, depending on the street, I bet you are definitely in the top three good-looking girls on the street, depending on the street. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes on to sing. I feel like I could have written that. (laughs) He goes on to sing, you're so beautiful, you could be a waitress. You're so beautiful. You could be an air hostess in the 60s. And then at the end of the song, my favorite part, he says, you're so beautiful like a tree or a high-class prostitute. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Flight really of the Concords. how to woo the ladies. <laughs> definitely. If you've ever seen FOTC, you're probably singing along uh, in your head just now. I mean, it, and I wasn't really singing, but uh, you, you, I, I'm sure you can hear the melody in your mind's ear eye uh the show doesn't have fans i mean it has cult-like followers it 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 sucks you in so i remember when i first started watching this show i would re-watch the songs the music musical interludes over and over i mean it was on repeat for me i would watch youtube videos i learned some of the songs on the piano and i'd play the piano and sing along i mean i was truly obsessed have you have, can you relate to this with like a comedy series that you've just been totally obsessed by? Oh man, I I used to watch like Judd Apatow movies on repeat when I was like uh That's a good example. This is early 20s. If you like I forgetting to, Sarah Marshall, I feel like you would like Flight of the Concords. That's a very similar comedy style, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, that's a great one too. That that's like actually that's one of the movies with quotes that are always running through my head like things that russell brand says just uh <laughs> but at one point I, like when dvds were a thing i was like oh man i want to collect all of the judd apatow films but then i promptly forgot about it and just went back to doing whatever i was doing but i can <laughs> definitely relate yeah so uh i i don't know if you can relate to this too but this obsession i realized today uh it's been lying dormant for for years uh, but due due to our show and my absolute dedication to the duties that are required of me as a contentologist, it's a real uh, thing. I I recently revisited Flight of the Concords and my raging obsession just came bubbling back to the surface. And now 
I've already started to uncontrollably binge all 22 episodes of FOTC from start to finish like I'm back in the quarantine days of 2020. Can I just say that I love when an acronym only saves one syllable <laughs> off of the name? I'm trying to save time. <laughs> You're doing it, man. One syllable at a time. What if I said FOTC chords and then That's I'm back to square one? Extremely awkward, but I like it. <laughs> okay. Let's change your entire outline to revolve around that idea. I can do that. Out. I can do that. I'm so hot. I have to take off my sweatshirt. Well, while Brett's taking off his sweatshirt, um, I'll just let you guys know that <laughs> actually I haven't. I was not super into watching all 22 episodes of Fly of the Concords, but seeing Brett's face and how excited <laughs> he is about this, I know this is going to be like another always sunny scenario where I'm going to have to go hunt these things down after we're done here. I, you know, it's interesting that I was drawn to doing another series right after doing one of my favorite series, but I think it is a reflection of the times. I am seeking out comedy to make me feel better about the uncertain times that we live in. And for some reason, the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, my absolute favorite show, it's, it's that dark comedy that I think I was drawn to when I was feeling like everything was in a dark place. And then I feel like the new year kind of hit the reset button and I was like excited and hopeful. And now that we know things are like uh, magically just um, <laughs> going perfect, like are we, we just- January's <laughs> been going great. What are you talking about? So now I feel like I'm I'm being drawn to things that are just like lighthearted and goofy and just like I don't know I I feel comforted by it. Yeah, that makes sense. This is yeah, this I, is more I, comforting content. This is less cringy and more comforting. See, I get comforted by horror movies, so it might be a little bit different wiring, but I totally know what you mean. I used to fall asleep to the uh the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was like my uh, that was like my warm snuggly movie. That's your lullaby. So there might be something, <laughs> might be something a little wrong with my brain, but I totally know where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I thought I thought I could just get my FOTC chord fix by watching a few select YouTube <laughs> videos of their chord <laughs> of their music videos. Um, so I, you know, I went down that rabbit hole. I'm not crying. The most beautiful girl in the room, business time, Carol Brown, Bowie's in space, leggy blonde. It turns out their music is just a gateway drug to the whole enchilada that, that is their show. Uh, hilarious writing, deadpan comedy, this, this goofy comedic perfection. And, uh, so now I've, I've, the binge has begun. It's a little unfortunate. So I've already spoken at length about the titular group and the boys, but one of the best things about this show is the supporting cast. So Reese Darby, uh, he plays Murray Hewitt, and he always delivers comedic gold. So he's the band manager, but he has his day job as the deputy cultural attache in the New Zealand consulate. He's definitely mm, incompetent. Important. But <laughs> you know, it is funny because a few of the episodes... You know, he he has called by the prime minister. The prime minister of New Zealand visits New York. And I mean, it's it is some of the best stuff. So it does. You think that he's like a nobody. But then you realize that, like, the humor is that he is like the guy for New Zealand. But he, like, <laughs> doesn't take his job seriously at all because, like, New Zealand's like a small nothing country. Like It's total, like, self-deprecating humor on the part of the creators that all came from New Zealand. It is fantastic. Some of the best kind of humor. Definitely. Yeah. And he's, he's, uh, you probably recognize him. Actually, he was just in the new, I just saw him recently in the new uh, Jumanji movie. He had a great cameo on uh, Modern Family. Yeah. He plays a NPC. Um, Yeah. Great. I mean, just tons of great sitcoms. He's done cameos. He's like a stand up comic um, from New Zealand. But I mean, he, he's definitely like a shining light in the show. Uh, and he's one of my, also one of my favorite running gags in the show is this New Zealand travel poster that hangs in the background of his office. And I think you would enjoy this as a graphicologist. It definitely always incorporates like some puns and some 
you know, an excessive amount of exclamation points. And it definitely looks like the graphic design work of like an eight year old. So that's a, all, all of the words are written in papyrus. Uh, you know, I I don't think that is the case, but uh, maybe for the next season if they ever make one. <laughs> Come on, bring it back. So the other main supporting character is the band's singular fan. Uh, Mel <laughs> is played by Kristen Shaw. Uh, she's pretty much a no, stalker. Something we can relate to. <laughs> I did think of the general snobbery guys and their one listener um, when I was <laughs> I writing the that. outline for this. <clears throat> Great show, by the way. If you guys are not listening to General Snobbery, you should definitely check it out. There, There is something extremely funny about um, the idea of like, cr- like uh, entertainers, of there being more entertainers than there is audience members. So like General <laughs> Snobbery, hilarious. the two of them having one listener... Uh, it's even funnier when you get the visual of like two guys, like two guys on stage in a band with the manager in like the, the stage wing, you know, uh, the stage, right. And then you have just like one fan, just like hanging on to like every note and every word with obsession. So creepy. (laughs) It really is. Well, she definitely embodies uh the creep for sure she makes this like weird fan art she sits outside their apartment for hours hoping for just a moment with them and in possibly one of the most realistic choices in the show uh she's a junior professor of psychology at a nearby university and uh, her husband doug doesn't quite seem to mind mel's obvious thirst for some sweet sweet action uh whether it's bjs (laughs) yeah it could be uh could be B on J, J on B, M, L, M on J, J on M, B, J, M, M, J, B. She does not care. She's obviously down. She's in in for whatever they got, <laughs> whatever they're selling. So I think for this next binge viewing of Flight of the Concords, I'm going to imagine her character is like, a, I'm going to put like a true crime spin on it in my own mind. And I'm going to imagine <laughs> she's a hypersexual serial killer waiting for her moment to strike and i'm going to see if that fan theory holds up and maybe if it does i'll post this is it why on the, the subreddit there wasn't a theories. second season <laughs> yeah they were they were both murdered um so if you're not sold on watching this show yet i don't blame you it's my fault it's really hard to put into words this elusive quality that makes this particular content so addictive and the glue or the cello tape that binds the show together <laughs> is the musical Ooh, element. Really appropriate. So I'm going to link to videos of three of their songs for the show. So the first one is I'm Not Crying. The second one, The Most Beautiful Girl in the Room that I mentioned earlier, and Carol Brown. I urge, I implore listeners, watch these three uh, Flight of the Concords videos on YouTube. I'm sorry, FOTC Chord videos on YouTube. Thank you. If you think it's great, if you think it's hilarious and you love them and you want more, then you're you're going you're in for a treat if you haven't seen this show. So find that friend that has an HBO login and is willing to share it like I did. <laughs> or torrent it or pay for it. Support HBO. Whatever you gotta do. I'm not your mom. Whatever you gotta do to watch this show. I mean, HBO is one of the best sources of original series, movies, some of the world's best content. So if you know, it's worth the money. Just give them a little bit of money. I know t- I know times are hard right now. But it's HBO. It's not TV. What, what else are you going to spin it on? COVID <laughs> vaccines? Come on, people. Yeah. Healthcare? That's all taken care of by the government. You don't have yeah, to worry totally. about that. Yeah, 100% coverage for everyone. <laughs> so before I sign off uh, and then sign back on to Carrie's HBO to continue watching FOTC chords and thanks again Carrie if you ever <laughs> listen to this for some reason um, I did however come up with one more approach to convince listeners to check out this delightful entertainment so if you're a fan of stand-up comedy this show weirdly enough totally is a must watch there are guest appearances of pretty much all of your favorite comics and that alone is a reason to check out FOTC chords Aziz Ansari, Jim Gaffigan, Dimitri Martin, Patton Oswalt, Kristen Wiig. Just watched her in uh, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, man. 
It was pretty good. I, I, I liked it. Pedro Pascal. Yeah, it was great. Pedro Pascal. He's, oh, I might like him better than Gal Gadot. <laughs> They're both so hot. <laughs> um, the list goes on for, for these these recur both recurring characters these one-offs i mean they have notable comics musicians authors one of my favorites even art garfunkel plays art garfunkel in an episode where jermaine is almost forced into the act of garfunkeling which is when a woman <laughs> requests her partner dress as art garfunkel during sex <laughs> Ooh. that's a so, that's a pretty big get on the uh on the casting side. It's pretty good. It's yeah, pretty good. Awesome. So Josh, I hope that I convinced you and maybe even the listeners to take a chance on Flight of the Sea Chords. Let B and J <laughs> suck you into the hilarious parodyific <laughs> genius of the show. FOTC. So whether your appetite is for brilliant deadpan comedy, iconic musical satire, or just some stylish hipster fun, FOTC Chords has it all. That's it. Now binary solo one zero zero one one zero one 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 zero zero one one zero zero. I don't have their raw talent. <laughs> I'm assuming that's uh, one of their songs, <laughs> a song reference. The human. I was thinking about um, how much time you were saving with your acronym, but uh, you know, looking at the clock here, we still came out of about the same amount of time as a normal show. So I'm not sure if your acronym math really adds up. <sighs> Although about Dang halfway it. through, when you switched over to FOTC chords. That probably evened everything out. That makes you know sense. What, uh, you know what their story and their band kind of reminds me of is Tenacious D. You a Tenacious oh, D fan? Oh, yeah, Jack Black. Actually, I've seen them a lot. What's the, uh, I have, I have what's the other guy's name? Uh, KB. KB. Yeah, see, I'm obviously yeah, not, a, not a big fan, but I really like Jack Black and his stellar these... work in Jumanji. <laughs> Jumanji again, man. Jumanji. Actually, I know. I'm a, I think it's a great movie. <laughs> it's good. Uh, it's like way better than it has any right to be. But the uh, but before Tenacious D was huge. I mean, before they were like a cultural phenomenon, like launched Jack Black into the stratosphere of stardom. Uh, they were like these Tenacious D shorts, and they were basically just like it, it kind of reminded me of how you're describing Flight of the Concords. You know, it was. It was all uh, designed around their songs, but then there were also like these crazy skits that they had clearly just written themselves, and you could tell like it was kind of like a grassroots thing. But you know they, you know that combined with the album, obviously, you know it was like they they totally exploded. And uh, it, it, you know I was kind of wondering, is there like a Fly of the Concords album or anything that you can yeah. get like? Yeah, other tracks. Yes, there is, and I mean, keep in mind this. I I talked about the TV or the TV series because that's really, I don't know, that's really like my favorite piece of their work. But they were before that first and foremost musicians and comedians, and their album won a Grammy. I I don't remember if it was in the that same year awesome. the show came out. It was it was either uh, two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight, I believe. I'd have to check on that, but. Um, yeah, they, they have an album, but I, there's just something about, you know, and you can tell in the show, some of the songs really, they're kind of like forcing into the storyline a little bit because these were songs that were popular before they had the show, but for the most part, they're, they're like musical pieces fit so well into the narrative and the storyline. And they, and the just, they do such an excellent job with like the editing and the visuals and, uh, and some of the like narrative fit makes it hilarious too. So I recommend, you know, people check out the TV series, but absolutely the music's great too. I've, I've definitely binged their, their music as well. And I imagine that the songs fit in so well because the fictionalization of the story is probably very minor. Uh, when, exactly. You know, in relation to like how their life actually went, you know, like I'd be curious to know if they like actually went to New York with the, uh, with the intent of like, Oh, we're going to try to become something. And then, you know, like followed a, a similar path, to what they wrote on the show. Yeah. You know, that is, that is a, um, I, I think they were 
already getting big <laughs> before the show, but it wasn't uh, difficult to imagine being like uh, broke nobodies. Um, at least for a little like while, they they, some uh-huh. other bands that had a similar uh, career path of like going to New York and just like being nothing. I'm yeah. sure they had a lot of real world experience of people they knew to draw on when writing that material. Well, for sure. And honestly, I mean, it, it, they probably weren't far from that too. Cause I mean, if you just like, even though this did come out on HBO, it still appears like very low budget. Like, I don't know, like, um, they did a lot with their budget at least. I mean, it, it definitely, they, they took it a long way, but it isn't like, it's not a, a game of Thrones situation where they're spending like millions of dollars an episode. So it really does feel like an don't underdog ever get to story. See, you don't get to see Jermaine's boobs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you do. Or maybe you do. I, I'm pretty oh, sure nice. you do. Well, yeah. I'm sold now. Well, well there it is. Uh, thanks, yeah. FOT thanks, C chords. Yeah, from uh, from J to B, I gotta say that was awesome, man. This is uh, definitely some content that had, for the most part, slipped through the cracks, and uh, just like <laughs> all of these great recommendations, it's definitely going on my content circuit. Uh, it's gonna be a toss up of whether I put this or devs first, but yeah. we'll see. We'll yeah. see which one of you guys wins out. So thanks, man. That was great. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Content Clearinghouse. We love you guys. We love that you guys are tuning in every, every week. Uh, please tell your friends. Also, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, you can email us at contentclearinghouse at gmail.com. You can contact us on Instagram and Facebook at The Content Clearinghouse. Drop us a line. Let, me, uh, let us know what you think. Send us those letters. We'll read them on the air. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We will be in your ear holes next week.